0: You know, I, it's like I realize sometimes Sundays I'm out of breath because because um, I've been running, but I've been chased all week. And Sunday is a time where we can quit running and we can allow the God who's been chasing us to catch us finally and to be with us. And so I, I hope that that is the experience you have. Um, when we gather together in this place, that this is a safe place where you can be found and where you hear Jesus saying, you belong to me. Uh, my name's Gary. I get to be one of the pastors here. I am one of them that does use notes. Um, yeah, so I'm not... Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Um, no. Um, there is uh, there's a lot of yelling that takes place in my house. Uh, now, I'm not, I'm not talking about the shouting, angry shouting, although we're not immune to that. <laughs> um, there's a lot of yelling that, that takes place from one end of our house to the other. There's a lot of yelling that takes place, and maybe you can relate to this as parents. There's a, a lot of yelling that we do, Beth and I do, from the couch. That is, The yelling is supposed to go through a child's bedroom door. Through noise canceling headphones and into their mind so that they can hear us, understand us, and respond. Well, you can imagine um, I, for that to happen, you, you really have to yell loud. And so many of our conversations in our house unfortunately begin with yelling and then the volume goes up from there. We'll yell and we don't get a response, so we yell a little bit louder. Still no response. Finally, screaming. Our neighbors are calling the police is usually what's happening by this point. We're screaming as loud as we can, and then we'll hear this faint from the far corner of the house. I make it sound like we have this huge mansion, don't I? Yeah. (laughs) We could just kind of go, no, I'm just kidding. Um, we, from the far, you know, one of their bedrooms, we'll hear one of the kids say, what? And they're yelling just as loud and so we say it again and they say what and this goes back and can anybody relate to this kind of conversation that goes on Um, the reason that this takes place is i'm yelling from the couch and i'm comfortable on the couch i love the couch i don't want to get up from the couch but i know that for them to really hear and to understand i need to get up from the couch and i need to go wherever it is they are in the house, the best way to handle these two way high volume conversations is to make my way to wherever they are. So, we've been in Luke 24. Some of you realized last week as we were reading through that passage, hmm, did, does Gary remember that he read this last week too? Um, we're going to be in it one more time, all right? Uh, we're going to focus on just the end of this story in Luke 24. Um, what we've been doing is tracing the Resurrection Day story of these two disciples, Cleopas and an unnamed disciple who are downcast and distraught and they're on a journey and they began this journey away from Jesus. They began this journey away from the center of their faith. Um, and then we learned that they were walking with Jesus even though they didn't realize that Jesus was with them, kind of in the song we just sang, He chased them down, but they were unaware that uh, Jesus was with them until their eyes were opened and their walk with Jesus changed everything for them. And so today we're going to wrap things up by talking about what happened when these two disciples walked back to Jerusalem. Their walk with Jesus changed them so much that they had to go back and tell their friends the good news. They had to go back to their friends who had also lost hope and say there is no need to lose hope. They walked back to share their encounter with Jesus and to proclaim this great news. Now here's the problem. I'm afraid that too many Christians and kind of the history of the church, the big C church, has gained a reputation of yelling rather than loving. We've gained a reputation of being very comfortable where we are. And our goal is if we can yell loud enough and clear enough, then maybe, maybe the world will understand. I mean, we believe we have something great to share. And so we yell that out in the hopes that those that are really far away and have all kinds of barriers are going to hear and are going to understand and that they're going to come to us. But I'm going to say it again, the best way to handle a two-way high volume conversation is begin is is to begin by making our way to them. In other words, as we're going to look at today, walking back to the people. I don't want us to be Christians who yell. I want us to be Christians who move in close, to walk with people who are in need, belonging. We've been talking about you belong here, and us for us to feel that sense of belonging in God's presence and in one another's presence. But we foster that environment, that culture of belonging, when we meet people where they are, rather than yelling at them and saying, you're in the wrong place. We, we create this environment of, of belonging, a loving environment, when we meet people um, right where they are rather than expecting them to come to us. And to fit in to our certain way of of doing life. And so I want us to jump back into this story in Luke 24. And uh, this is kind of towards the tail end of their journey as they have been going seven miles towards Emmaus, away from Jerusalem. We're going to pick it up in verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on. As if he were going farther. We had a really good discussion in our life group on Friday, trying to figure out why would, why would he act like he was still going on farther? Was he, was he playing a game? Did he really have somewhere else he was trying to go? Um, was he just wanting to see how much they really wanted him? To stay with them? We don't we don't really know. But here he is. He's continuing on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. says that they returned at once to Jerusalem they turned around and began a journey back to the place that they had come from back to the place that they had left back to that place where they felt so discouraged and distraught and without hope and it was that same night that they walked the entire seven mile journey back to Jerusalem why why would they do that because they couldn't keep the good news to themselves. A, it was kind of like they looked at each other and like, this is incredible. We're not going to sleep anyway. Let's just go back now. This is too much for us to contain, too much for us to just process on our own. Um, there are others who need to hear this amazing news. I don't have cell phone reception to text them. We've got to go back right now. This is what took place. It was a pattern that we saw repeated throughout Acts. As people encountered Jesus, they took the good news with them wherever they went. And it's a pattern that we have seen continue all throughout history. People experience Jesus in a life-changing way, and then they go out and they share with others, and sometimes it, it blossoms into a new church. Um, but there is life that has taken place. Um, even when we walk away, we realize that Jesus was never that far. We realize that even when we felt alone, Jesus was walking with us. This is the news that compels us to walk back and share it with others. This is my story. Is it yours? My story is one of walking away. My story is one that I admit to being prone to wander. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone to our own way, the prophet Isaiah said. I can relate to that. I've walked away. I've wandered away from God and his plans. Well, I thought I wandered away from God, only to find out that he was with me that whole time, even when I didn't recognize it. And then it turned into, I realized that Jesus is pursuing me, and out of his grace, I get to walk with him. I get to Be with him. In this morning's Bible reading, if you're following along in the Let's Read the Bible together plan that we're in, I read this this morning in Psalm 118. It says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I'm telling you, I I read that and breathed a sigh of relief. God is with me. And then my eyes were opened. Um, not only have I walked away, only to find out that I could begin to walk with, then my eyes were opened to recognize him and to share him with others. I get to walk back and take this good news of a risen Christ to other people. Continuing on in Psalm 118, I read this uh, as well. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. I've got a story to tell. I'm walking back because of what I have experienced here. There is something that is stirring within me that's taken me back we have a story to tell if you have had a Jesus encounter today yesterday in your life you have a story to tell we live in a world that loves to tell stories we live in a world that wants you to know what they had for a meal so they took a picture of it and posted it for you and everyone else to see we get excited about that. I'm, I'm not one to post my meals on social media, but I love feasting on Jesus and sharing that with others. And this is the opportunity we have. This is kind of the culmination of what these, these three weeks of belonging have been about. It's not so we just get the warm fuzzies of belonging. It's because we get to open up our arms and invite other people into this incredible life that we are experiencing And I believe that there are two very important things to keep in mind when you walk back, as you walk back and share your Jesus encounter with others. You meet people where they are, and you help them see Jesus right where they are. So let me camp out on this first point for just a moment. Meeting people where they are. We meet people where they are. That's what Jesus did for these two disciples It's what he can, it's what he, that was the pattern that he he lived out on uh, during his earthly ministry. And it's what we are supposed to do. We meet people where they are. Now, I want to be really clear about this, that when we meet people where they are, we are not saying that they don't need to grow and mature. We're not saying, I'm going to meet you where you are because, uh, you know, it's okay if you just stay right there for the rest of your life. Um, When we meet people where they are, we want to love them into this process of transforming into more of who they were meant to be. Jesus met us where we were. He continues to meet us where we are. But he's always kind of wooing us to become more of who he is created to be. And we have this opportunity to do this. And so... um, if you're thinking, oh, okay, great, we're going to create this church of belonging where people can just come in and, and just stay where they are, isn't that kind of selling out? And I want to be really clear. We are not selling out by creating an environment of belonging. We are reaching out. Big difference between reaching out and selling out. We have an opportunity to love people where they are and to love them into more of who God has created them to be, and you can do both. you can love people where they are, and you can love where they 're headed. I was hanging out with the primos the other day. Uh, Scott and Carla have Huxton, a one year old cute as cute can be, and he was shuffling around everywhere in these little jeans on he was crawling around outside and Carla made the comment um, i can 't wait till he 's walking," which You know, it is exciting when they do that. But then we realize what we've gotten ourselves into as parents, they're harder to catch that way. But anyway, but what I saw in those mother's eyes was a love for where he was headed, but an overwhelming love for where he was too. It wasn't like, boy, someday when he's walking, then I'm going to love Huxton. No, there was a deep love for him as he is and for who he will be. I didn't ask her this, but I'm guessing when Huxton is 20, she'd be a little upset if he's still crawling, okay? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with loving someone where they are, but we hope that this is a part of growing and maturing. That's a part of my story. There are significant people in my life who loved me when I was crawling, but didn't give up on me. And when we when we learn to walk, you realize... You start off by holding on to stuff, and then eventually you let go, and you start walking. And there were people who loved me even when I was holding on to all kinds of stuff that kept me from walking. Loved me where I was. Continued to love me through. Those were the people that I sensed such a deep connect with who loved me in both of those. And what I want you to realize is we are meeting people where they are. Um... God has never met anywhere God has never met anyone anywhere other than where they are. God meets us in this present moment and current reality of our life. And this is why we encourage authenticity and vulnerability because without it we are not going to have a genuine encounter with God. He's not waiting for us to say Um, Now i finally arrived. Uh, I'm going to meet with God when I become who I should be. I'm going to meet with God when I go back to the person that I once was that was so good. I'm not going to meet God someday when I have all of this in order. It's when we can honestly say, God, meet with me right here, right now. God always meets us in our current reality. He's not trying to figure out how he can go back to yesterday to meet you. And he's not just anxiously tapping his foot, knowing that it's not until tomorrow that he's got an opportunity. He's right now where you sit in your current reality, in your current relationships, in your current job, with your current boss, with everything that is going on in your life. He wants to meet with you right now. And this is what we have an opportunity to do. We meet people where they are, in the middle of a mess, in the middle of whatever is going on. We just want to do what Jesus did. We want to meet them just like Jesus has met us. So when we walk back, we meet people where they are, and then we want to help them see Jesus where they are. We want to help them see Jesus. In the everyday, in the ordinary, in the dark and foreboding, um, if they're walking away, if they're walking towards, we want them to see Jesus. We want them to see Jesus in their current state of hopelessness. All of these things. Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. He is with us in the valley of silicon. He is with us right here. in this crazy blur of a life... He is with us. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. All of Psalm 139 is such a rich, rich um, psalm. But always and everywhere, he is with us. Listen to this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You are not alone. You have this opportunity to see Jesus where you are, regardless of circumstances. He is pursuing you. Jesus is walking with you, even if you are in a season of your life Where you don't see him. Or maybe you don't even want to see him. He continues to pursue you. And a part of what we have an opportunity to do. As Christians who have met Jesus. As Christians walking with Jesus. Is we get to help others see Jesus right there. In their day to day. We help them find him. Look for him. Um, I'm going to tell a. the story, this took place. I don't, I don't remember exactly when it took place, but you need to know it was way before 9 11. It was way before um, it took three and a half years to get through TSA lines at airports and things like that. Do you remember when you could go to a gate even though you didn't have a ticket? Remember that? We'll talk about that later, okay? In the back there, it's a new thing. Um, So anyway, I'm I'm at at the airport in Nashville. I just spent the weekend with a group of teenagers and uh, um, was headed back uh, to school and was flying back to the Dallas airport. Uh, This, I don't know, just nice-looking, average, middle-aged couple walks up to me, and they extended a, a bag, kind of a packaged bag, to me and said, we were wondering if you, uh, well, the first they said, are you headed to Dallas? And I said, yeah, I'm on this next flight. And they said, would you deliver a package for us? <laughs> and without hesitating, I went, yeah, sure. You know, completely ignored the ticking sound, <laughs> the white powdery substance that was all over the place. I saw that. Um, no, I just, I was kind of like, sure, why not? And um, and they said, well, well thank you. Um, we um, our daughter lives in Waco, and this is just these are some goodies for her. We would really like um, for her to get these, and we thought this would be the best way to get them to her. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange. But what's even more strange is I'm dating a girl at, that goes to school at Baylor. So so I said that I said, well, you know, I'm actually going to be headed down to Waco within a day or two because I'm, I'm, my, my girlfriend is going to school at Baylor and they said, yeah, we know it's our daughter that you're dating. Okay. So, so I kind of, I remember my knees kind of buckling a little bit and uh, just, I was not expecting to meet parents like that. And uh, I remember my first thought was just being thankful that I was nice to these people, you know, that <laughs> I didn't go, you're crazy. No, I'm not, you know, whatever, calling them names for giving me a package to deliver. Well, anyway, I share, I share this, uh, this story for a couple of reasons. Um, live expecting to encounter Jesus at all times. Let's not be surprised that Jesus is actually what he says in the scriptures, that he is everywhere. Jesus' presence is not restricted to the religious center. These disciples that had wandered away from Jerusalem, they kind of thought, well, this this is where we expect Jesus, the Messiah, to be. This is what we expect Jesus, the Messiah, to do. And anything outside of who we expect is just not going to happen. But what we see in this story is Jesus is not very predictable, is he? Where is Jesus trying to show up in your life? Let's live expecting. What if we woke up in the morning and began that game of I spy? I know somewhere today is an opportunity for me to come face to face with Jesus. I know he is with me. And I want to find him in this day as he is pursuing me live expecting to encounter Jesus at all times. Now, at the airport, I did not recognize those people because I had never seen those people. I had no idea what this girl's parents looked like. I had no idea this girl had parents. I figured she did, but it wasn't something that had come up in our relationship at that point. But I had never met them, so if I had never met them, it would be difficult for me to recognize them. So this is the question I have For some of you, um, have you met Jesus? Have you opened up your life to this Jesus? It it begins with opening ourselves up to a relationship, not because we know all that there is to know or we finally figured it out. It's just that we kind of come to this point where we yield our lives to him We experience forgiveness and freedom. We acknowledge that he died and rose again and that he is alive today. Would you consider meeting Jesus for the first time today? I wish it was as literal as walking up and seeing him face to face, but there is is a mystery to this. Um, but would you be open to meeting Jesus for the first time? Maybe when you woke up, you did not expect to open your heart to Jesus today. But would you consider that? We mentioned on Easter that we have these Gospels of John available. Um, they are beautifully laid out, artistically laid out. But the true beauty, of course, is the truth um, in in this book of the Bible. It talks a lot about Jesus. It's a great way to get to know Jesus. You read about his life. And if you want to know what it is to give your life to Jesus, if you want to meet Jesus for the first time today, we want to talk to you about that. Uh, Myself and some others are going to be down front. Those Gospels of John are out at the next step table for those of you that are meeting Jesus for the first time. How can we come to you and talk to you about this Jesus that has made such a difference in our life. Live expecting to encounter Jesus at all times, even if this is your very first time to encounter Jesus. And the second point that I want to make uh, from this little airport story is, what has God given to you that he's asking you to share? What has God given to you that he wants you to To deliver, what if God says, "This is—I have given you some gifts that I would like for you to share in this workplace," and you go, "Oh, I'll be be doggone! That just happens to be where I work." (laughs) Yeah, it's because I put you there, and I'm giving you these gifts to take to that place, back to your family, back to your friends, your school. So, what has God given you to share? What is God asking you to deliver? And if I had to sum up what I saw in these two disciples, they they shared two things. One, hope, and two, a story. They went back and they shared hope. They shared hope of a capital L, life. It wasn't like, don't worry, fellas, we're still going to, when we die, we're going to go to this heaven that he's talked about. They were excited because the kingdom of heaven was here on earth right now. They could live an abundant life. They had hope. They shared in eternal life, yes, but life in the here and now. And so they, I believe that they, they were given this gift of hope and they shared that gift of hope. And then they were given a story, and they shared their story. They had a unique story of their encounter with Jesus. In verses 34 and 35 of Luke 24, it says, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What would you say if you were to walk back if you were to walk back to the people you left, the place you left, if you were to walk back to your source of hopelessness, if you were to walk back to that place where your expectations were not met, if you were to walk back to that place, what would your story be? What would you say? And I believe we just are invited to share what we have encountered and so for us to do that, we have to have something to say. We have to have an encounter. Last week, we talked about, I, I introduced some of you to this spiritual exercise called the examine. And it's at the end of it's a It's a... An activity you do at the end of your day where you, you look back over and you think about the consolations and desolations. You consider the ways that God's activity was it just a felt presence in your life, those consolations. And then desolations. You acknowledge the ways that Jesus was with you, but you failed to see him. You didn't have the eyes to see him at the time. And when you have those consolations, those are your stories. That's what you share with the world. That's what you share with your kids around the dinner table. That's what you go back and you share from uh, from your driveway to your neighbor. All of these settings, you have something to say with your mouth, but you also have something to say with your life. You're transforming my life is not the same life. Because when you walk back, just like these disciples, they knew that those two were not the same that walked away. Something had happened. They were different. When we walk back, we might have a message to share, but more importantly, I think we have a life that has been transformed, that is in the process of becoming more like Jesus. The best thing you have to offer when you walk back, the best thing you have to offer is your transforming self. For us to be more like Jesus, for us to be filled with more hope and more joy, and more love. When we have an encounter with Jesus in a fresh way, it changes us. I don't believe we can be in the presence of Jesus, acknowledge him as Lord, and remain the same. We go back changed, and we're not just saying, hey, I want to tell you about this event. We're saying, I want to introduce you to a person. Uh, more than saying, guess what I learned? You are going to say, you are not going to believe who I met. And that is where life begins to flow out of you. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? You can put it in a package. He hands it to us so that we can deliver it, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. In the words of Henry Nouwen, we become wounded healers. We create an environment of belonging when we are willing to walk back, even towards the source of our deepest pain and disappointment in order to share stories of hope with others. So on this Emmaus road, in this big journey, where are you on this road? Are you still walking, not really acknowledging or accepting the fact that Jesus is with you? Have you in some way, in a very real way, encountered Jesus recently and you realize realizing now it's time for me to walk back, to walk back down that same path in which I was walking away, now I'm walking back. I believe that our feet are in one of two places. Our feet are where hopelessness has pulled us or where faith is sending us. You in your life are where hopelessness has landed you or you are taking steps in faith to where God is sending you. A true life-changing encounter with Jesus does not end with that encounter. We have to see that as a beginning. And we foster a sense of belonging when we go back to share hope with the hopeless. And we meet people where they are. As they are. And we say, I want, I want you to see Jesus right here. In your life. Right now. I want you to look around. In this room, there are exit signs. See, uh, four of them. If I could, and if the fire marshal would let me, um, I'd change those signs to say entrance instead of exit. We're not exiting this room as much as God is sending you back out into the world. Those doors represent your entrance into a new way of walking, a way of walking back to the people who need you. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, and we're going to close today um, with this prayer. Um, I want to pray a prayer over you, and kind of our natural posture when we stand and pray as we're looking down, we have our heads bowed. Maybe this would be a good opportunity to look at your feet and to reflect, what is it, what road is it that I'm on at this point? Will this be a turning point? Am I ready to see Jesus where I am and to walk back with him? Let's pray. I believe with all my heart, Father, that you love this city. I'm reminded in scripture that Jesus looked over and wept for the city of Jerusalem Jesus, you look down upon this city and your heart breaks. It breaks to see people who have lost hope. Lord, open our eyes to see you new and fresh each day. Open our eyes to see this city as you do. Break our hearts. May we be compelled by a powerful move of your spirit to share you with family, friends, coworkers, strangers, each person in this city. Compel us to get up and to move towards the people of this city. Forgive us for yelling. Forgive us for being lazy and expecting people to come to us. Many of us have seen you. Our eyes have been opened to you. Oh, we cannot keep the good news of resurrection life to ourselves. We must share it. So we ask you, open these doors. Turn exits into entrances. Open the doors of this room that we might walk back to the world. And if we do not see open doors, may we be willing to sacrifice our lives and crash through walls in order to share the wonderful story of Jesus crucified, Jesus resurrected, Jesus ascended, and Jesus coming back again. To you be all glory. We pray this in the power and the strength, the name of Jesus who walks with us. Amen.